0: Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem's show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real-life scenarios with real live people.
1: Okay, everybody, welcome to tonight's amazing program with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. Tonight is sheer number 85, and we appreciate everybody for coming here this week we have a very interesting and amazing program here tonight it's going to be a little different than regular and i'm excited about it um before we start again i want to thank everybody for every week for coming on and posting it on their whatsapp statuses and telling their friends about the program um just today i was on someplace and somebody came up to my and said my my husband actually has this problem with this issue and they are so thankful that we're addressing this issue so please post it tell people about it I, like i say every week not every issue is related for every single person but it's for everybody amrisham the share got really big and it's really growing and we really appreciate it. Our Sunday night, Sichas Haverim. We're changing it to Let's Get Real with Sichas Haverim and Coach Menachem. And we'll keep on growing it. Again, if anybody wants to join our WhatsApp <coughs> flyers, I send that every week. Please WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. Again, that's 848 525 Save my number. And I will send you the flyer every Sunday. You can post and send it up. You can also go to MenachemBernfeld.com to his website. He has an email sign up, And you can get every week the email. For all those watching the replay on YouTube, please click on the like button for the share and subscribe to Coach Menachem's channel so every week when we upload the videos, it's <laughs> Sunday night and Monday morning, you can get to watch them. I want to start off first with thanking the Lakewood Scoop, all our advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop here in Lakewood. Special thank you to Rabbi and Yannicka Chazak for promoting us on the Chazak channel. Special thank you to Chayel Summer from JCN for promoting us across all the Jewish digital platforms. The Coach Menachem show is collaborating with OK Clarity to bring greater health and wellness to the Jewish community around the globe. OK Clarity is the online platform for mental health coach support in the Jewish community. Our OK Clarity will find the best therapists, coaches, nutritionists, engage in forums and stay inspired. Menachem will send out the links after the show. Again, for everybody here the first time tonight, we do this every Sunday night through thick and thin. And uh, it's always at 9.30 Eastern Time. And please tell people about it and spread the word. Next Sunday, January 9th, we have an amazing program. Another very interesting program, and often where we come up with this stuff. Rabbi Ayal Alan Gol, he's an LMSCW a therapist in Five Towns, discussing Dr. Sarno's method on pain and burnout a deep understanding of physical and internal pains we suffer from. This is the, the, the conversation that you know, every time your back hurts, he said, Is it in your head? Oh, yeah, backache. So, we're going to really get into that and really, really understand it. And uh, it should be powerful. And uh, if you know anybody that cracks, they should definitely come to the share um tonight's show we're going to learn from my son's yeshiva It's called yeshiva gon Yaakov. they have a, a raise-a-thon so he's pinching me over here to tell everybody to go raise it and going to send out an email anybody could donate to rabbi kohan's yeshiva over here in lakewood they do tremendous work with the yeshiva and my son is learning so well and uh menachem will send out a, a link host to, to help out such yeshiva that they're doing such an amazing job uh let's open up first let's open up tonight's topic because i have a lot to say about tonight tonight's so interesting um, let's start off with our host, Coach Menachem. Coach Menachem, what are we talking about tonight? What's going on? I, fe- I feel the anxiety. I'm full of anxiety.
0: Welcome, welcome everyone. So let's get real with Coach Menachem. Barak Hashem, it's, uh, we're up to number 85, Barak Hashem. And before we start, I have to give a molotov to Asher Parnas and his family. He's still in the middle of Shevet Brachas. It was a beautiful Hasana. And I uh, well, uh, yeah, actually got up and spoke in public before we had the show. Look at that. You'll tell us how you did it. And they should see a lot of nachas, but this one I'm from all the nickel. And I know a lot of people over here tonight just got off the boat from their Shabbos weekend from Kesha Nashi, which uh, I participated in a little bit. And uh, there's not much that I, I can't really describe it. Because it's undescribable. It's just these two words that everybody says. It's it's heavy and uplifting. Now, how that works together, I think the only way we, you could you could understand it is if you experience it just by being there. Really, really unbelievable. And many people I I I met. It was the first time, and they were really really surprised to to, to really get this. Um, the physics and whatever, whatever, whatever it is they got. So tonight's topic, performing anxiety. So we think it's uh, it's it's the haradam for the Ahmed or dating, public speaking, but the truth is it's not only that. It's really if 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 you think about it, we're all performing in life. Some more and some less. And sometimes what holds us back is that that belief that we can't do it. Sometimes you wanna do something and you start getting nervous. You feel your heart racing and your mouth gets dry and you feel that whatever feeling it is, whatever you have, and you tell yourself, okay, that means it's not for me. So you stop right there, but really, it might be saying you're, you're up to the next challenge in your life, which you've never done before. It's saying that life starts beyond your comfort zone. We could all stay in our comfort zone, which might be comfortable. But after a while, you want to have some feeling, of, some feeling of life. That feeling starts right at the end of the line where you're not used to being and step out of it. Find some small challenge, make that phone call, do something that you're not used to. And you're nervous. Yes, that's part of it. And after you do that, there's a certain feeling that, wow, I did it. And once you can do that, you <coughs> take the next step. And that's how we grow in life. So a lot of people are not aware of it. I'll give you a very simple example. We're sitting over here on the Zoom. We have some people that have opened their camera, Some people, they feel comfortable to ask the questions. Then there are people who probably sit there and think to themselves, I don't have any questions. But it could be that's a subconscious saying, you know, I'm good where I am. Why should I push myself? Why should I be part of it? Let me just sit here. It's, It's pretty much passive. I'll listen, whatever happens. So tonight it could be your first challenge. If you feel you want to take a challenge, open your camera and if you're ready, ask that question that comes up that thing that bothers you you want to know you, you want to talk about it. we have, we have tonight so we have Jonathan Schwartz, which I think he has clients day in and day out on this topic and uh, hopefully tonight we'll get a little bit of understanding how it works so that when these things come up we start getting a little nervous we shouldn't tell ourselves it's not for me and we're stopping right on the tracks. It's understanding how the things work and getting used to it and hopefully we'll get some uh, practical techniques so we can start practicing right now in shem tonight and and all of us will be able to perform in a life wherever it is and feel alive thank you very much
1: thank you coach for, now, for such a <coughs> cool opening really appreciate it okay let's get into tonight's share tonight i just i just rushed rushed back from shaver brothers like literally like 10 minutes ago so i just came back and trying to put together my thoughts but tonight's a very important topic of course we're gonna talk a lot about men's stuff tonight Davening for the Amid, speaking in public. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of woman stuff. It's all it's all related. Um, so please keep that in mind, right? Public speaking, a lot of women have to speak, going on dates, the fear of talking to new people. I think it's a huge topic. And the reason why this topic came up because I've seen people that do suffer from this in a tremendous way, and it's debilitating. And it's very, very hard. And um, and I actually found Dr. <coughs> Dr. Schwartz, he made a while ago, he made a... A big, big thing. I talk about it with Rabbi Makhil. He made a whole thing talking about Salman for the Ahmed and different public speaking. So I thought it was re- very relevant. And, and after we put it out, I was shocked to get feedback from people. Like they really, really, it decapitates them in many ways. And tonight we're really going to get to the core of it, understand it, and really try to not just understand it, really try to get help and move on. So the topic is for everybody. It's for men and for women. And we're really going to try to get into it. And this famous joke that Jerry Seinfeld says, right? What's his most famous joke? According to the most studies, people's number one fear is speaking in public. The number two fear is death. So does that sound right? This means the average person that goes to the funeral, better it's better off being the casket than to give the eulogy. So that's what we're dealing with, and I can definitely understand it. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to read your bio, Dr. Schwartz, give an opening, and let's let's really get into the crux of it tonight, okay? Rabbi we got it. Rabbi, Rabbi doctor. Jonathan Schwartz by from Allah Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Schwartz is a Rav of a good historian in Elizabeth Hillside, New Jersey, and the clinical director of the Center for Anxiety Relief in Union, New Jersey, where he practice, practice his practice specializes in the treatment of anxiety disorders, OCD, and perfectionism. He is sought-after speaker and a writer on the, on a host of Torah topics, especially involving intersection of Torah and psychology themes. Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Schwartz, the floor is
2: yours. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, and first of all, huge hearty mazel tov! Not only a mazel tov on the simcha, but a mazel tov on making it through for the public speaking. I'm sure it was Gavaldik. How would it go tonight?
0: Um, I, spoke,
2: I spoke on Friday <laughs> and
1: I spoke on on, on Shabbos, and uh, we'll get I, I don't mind talking about. I'm going to share my experiences because we're here, we're open, we're vulnerable, right. and I can tell you my feelings. But tonight, I, I just I didn't have to speak. I actually enjoyed the shavuot So continue.
2: <laughs> Great, glad to hear. So I want you to know, I have I i'm going to do the opening shots i I always get nervous when i'm told just do a quick opening shot i'm a rough i'm told to speak as long as possible no no lately i get told however long i speak it's too long right so i'm going to keep it short and sweet why because rabbanim have been getting nailed for the longest time for how long they speak and forget about rabbanim. how about everybody else so i open up and do what everybody else does and i open up uh the Chumash, and I open up the navi, and I look for something that's relevant, because you guys got to have something relevant to the Parsha. So I look back two weeks ago, and I'm thumbing through Sefer Vibration, the beginning of Parsha's Brachis, and then I accidentally like flipped open to the Haftarah, and I discovered there are two Haftarahs there, the one that I always read and the one I never read. Do you ever notice the Svaidim, they lean from Yermiyo? I always wonder, why is miyo the Haftarah? We lean that Haftarah, the first perk of miyo. As the beginning of the, the 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 Gimel de Paranusa, the first of the three weeks. But Sfaidum leaned it last week. Why? So take a look at the beginning of the haftari. Yermio turns, he turns to uh, Kodesh Baruch Hu turns to Yermio and he tells him, I, I've decided that you've been the chosen one since birth. Navi And what does Yermio say? He turns to the Kodesh Baruch Hu and says, Aha Shemalokim. He, knows, he, no, lo, he, lo da nohi. he says, I want Hashem. Oh, woe is me, Lashon Yalila, says the tzion. And he says, I I can't speak. I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. Metsudah David says, basically, he turned to HaKadosh Baruch and he says, I'm not clear. I don't feel comfortable. Just like so many of us when we get up to speak in public. And Yirria wasn't the first guy, because look in the parsha itself. We've been talking the last two weeks about Moshe Rabbeinu's Climb to power, and what happens when Moshe Rabbeinu is selected by the Rebbeinu Shalom, and he says, "Hey, Moshe Rabbeinu, I want you to go lechel paro." What's Moshe Rabbeinu's first response? No way, Jose. Shlach na tishlach. Send somebody else. I don't care who. And the Ribbani Shalom says, "No, I'm going to tell you. You're going to go." Imagine that. Like think for a minute. The Rebbeinu Shalom tells Moshe Rabbeinu, "You're the man." And Moshe says, "No, no, no, not me. Somebody else." So then HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes back to him and says, no, I want you to be the guy. So Moshe Rabbeinu turns and he says, no, I have never, ever spoken. He says, I'm just not good at it. I have an impediment. I have a problem. I can't make it through. And HaKadosh Baruch who says, stop it. Uh, he says, says, what are you doing? I gave that power. So, so you go now. You go. You don't know how you're going to do it. That's fine. But go. There's no room for excuses. Don't pull yourself out of the game. So I'm thinking to myself, what an ultimate time. You guys have such wonderful foresight to be able to choose to put show number 85 right now, right as everybody's turning around and, de- and learning about the very first person, who by the way, does more speaking in the Torah than anybody else under the sun. Moshe who the Chvad Lashon, speaks for the next 40 years, never takes a break. But what does he do? He puts it in front. And, and why? He turned around and he overcame, and Yermio overcame. And if they were able to overcome, We can overcome it as well. And I'm not just talking about for an Ahmed. I'm not just talking about a situation where somebody gets up and and, and has to speak by a shaver brachas. You mentioned the ladies before. Let me tell you a quick story that happened the other day. Just one quick story, and then I'll, I'll turn it back to you. So I get a call from a lady, a very nice woman. She's a mother of four. We'll call her Rachel for the sake of the conversation. Everybody loves Rachel. Everybody. Everybody loves her, she hangs out. she's like the, the place to go at the park. She, everyone hangs out and talks to her. But put her in front of a, uh, put her in front of a, a, a opportunity to speak, give her a microphone, whether it's at a video at a, uh, at a chasna or whether she has to get up and speak, you know, at a class PTA, she can't do it. So she comes crying into the office the other week and she says to me, "I can't figure it out." I don't understand what's wrong with me. I was listening to my PTA teacher. I was listening to the teachers and I couldn't get a word out. And it got so bad, my friend had to turn around and ask my question to the teacher for me. What's wrong with me? So don't think for a minute that this is only for the guys. Everything we're going to discuss tonight is going to be just as applicable to the mommies as it is to the tatis. It's going to be just as relevant to the guys as to the young girls because so, the opportunity to speak socially is a very big deal, and it makes a big deal. So let's get underway and put it right back at you, Abashi.
1: Shkai, Rabbi Schwartz. Beautiful opening. Okay. We're going to take a poll. Take a minute break. We're going to do this first Let's take a poll from the island. Let's feel what everybody has to say, and then we'll take it from there, okay? Here we go. Awesome. Two poll questions. Before you need to publicly speak or down for them or anything in public, how do you feel I'm asking you, the audience, just tell me honestly. Do you feel totally calm? Do you feel a little anxious? Do you feel very nervous, but you know you could do it? Or the fourth option, stuck, can't do it no matter what. You will not speak, you will not, not not you. Answer those two questions, please. The follow-up question is on this. When you're faced with performance anxiety issues, how do you deal with it? Option A, avoid it. Option B, just say it's okay, it's okay. Just, it's going to be good, it's going to be good. Just repeat yeah. yourself. Up. This doesn't work. Just say it's okay, it's okay. Option C, drinking or medicating yourself. Or option D, deep breathing and practicing it over and over. So let's say you have to dive on or speak, you just, you know, repractice the speech, speech over and over. Answer those two questions. Let's get a feeling from the crowd, that Rabbi, Doctor, what, what we're dealing with. And then we're going to jump into it, okay? We're going to, awesome. start, with, we're going to start with a live question first, actually. Okay. Okay. Five seconds. Four, three, two. Okay. Let's share with everybody. Here we go. Before you need to publicly speak or down for the Ahmed, how do you feel? 4%. 4% feel totally calm. 28% feel a little anxious. 51% of people feel very nervous, but they, they, they know they could do it. And 16% The Eifen cannot do it. Look at those numbers. Those are very strong numbers there. Number two, when you're faced with performance anxiety issue, how do you deal with it? 29% of people avoid it. 30% of people just say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Only 4% are drinking or medicating themselves. 37%- admitting that. Or admitting it, right. And 37% are deep breathing, practicing over and over. Okay? I think these were very, very good poll. I think we got a very good feeling of everybody. Okay, let's start with the first question, live question,
2: and then we'll get into it, okay?
1: Okay, you're on.
3: Hi Rabbi Schwartz, thank you, thank you for taking my question. Um, you know, I have, uh, basically just like the topic we're discussing, I get anxious and nervous I would say I'm going to put two different types of categories. Sometimes when I'm speaking Barabbim in a public setting, so if I have to give a speech in a shul or something, even if I prepare everything well, I always have this feeling of what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? What if I miss this? How am I going to transition this to that? What are the right words? And even if I prepare so much, unless I prepare uh, days and I with the thing over and over, I always have this thing, how am I going to do it? And even when I end up speaking and I say my thing clear, one of the things I notice is very hard for me to look at the crowd. I always have to look down at the paper for some for some sort of support. And uh, the other thing is that sometimes when I meet a yachid, someone that I don't know, it's usually dating. Sometimes it could be, a you know, you're going to see a Rosh shiva. Yes, or you're going to go get a hair somewhere the first time, someone that you don't know, I also have this feeling. And obviously, once I'm accustomed to it, usually it's easier. Um, the speaking also, it might be easier, but I always have, if I speak somewhere constantly, I might have an easier time. But like I said, I always feel like I have to have my look down. It's hard to look at the crowd. And... Uh, the other thing I just know is usually it's only for like the half first half hour, if, I'm, if it's on a date or a meeting. After the first half hour, all those tensions and nervousness, they fade away. So I want to know, I don't know what the, there's a mechanism to why after half hour it fades away. And I don't know if you want to discuss that, but I want to know generally what can I do to just be calm and have it all straight and, you know, not to be so much too conscious of every single small detail of what am I gonna say? How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna do that? You know, especially on dating, sometimes we're, we're thinking like, if I say this, then that's gonna happen. So how do we stay just centered, balanced and focused in a very calm and
2: efficient way? Those are three top of the line questions. See, They are like, fantastic. Let me just go over the three points the way I heard them. Um, and if I didn't give you good enough uh, summation, let me know so I get your answer right. Um, the first thing you said is that when you speak in public you 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 tend to go what goes into your head or what what winds up happening is you're wondering what what are you going to say and what if you mess it up which is a common thought process and what winds up happening is we're always repeating it in our heads again and again what am I going to do what's going to happen and secretly what winds up happening is you're psyching yourself out that we ask those evil questions what if I remember I had a I, I Early, early on in my career, I, ha- I had a supervisor who actually herself had suffered from public speaking uh, fears. And we're sitting in a group one night, and she says the two worst words in the English dictionary put together are what if. And here I am at Yeshiva Bachar. I spent all morning, you know, uh, looking in a Gemara, and every, every other word out of my mouth is what if this, what if that. So I modified it. There are five phrases to me that always, always signifies something called anxiety. One is maybe. When you say, maybe this will happen, maybe that'll happen. You just said something that's gonna be anxiety. Could be, could be that this will happen, could be that that'll happen, anxiety. Maybe, could be, let's say, let's say this happens. Let's say, let's say I make a mistake. What's gonna happen then? What if, which is the one you just gave me, and my personal favorite, oh my gosh, because when you say, oh my gosh, you're basically telling yourself, I have something to be nervous about. Whenever you use any of those, I call them the magic five phrases, and you catch it either in your head or coming out of your mouth. Right now, we use it as a reality we have to protect from. But what you really want to be able to do is slow down and say to yourself, I use that phrase. I use the phrase, what if? Therefore, right away, that tells me something. I'm, what I'm saying, is, is by definition an anxiety phrase, because until it happens, it's not a reality. And I see somebody put into the chat says, but, what, but let's say the worry actually becomes a reality. So, so again, right now it's not a reality, it's a let's say. And when you say something as a let's say, by definition, it's not reality. And instead what you're doing is you're making yourself anxious in the process. So the first thing I want you to do if I were in your shoes and I have to speak for and I catch myself going over again and again and again, I, I would say to myself, hey, wait a second. You know What I wanna be able to do is tell myself, I know what I have to say. And if I mess it up, I mess it up, so be it. Everyone in the room will just have to deal with that. Sometimes I go even further, I got to make a mistake. Because once you make a mistake, that's the big deal, right? You're, you're not gonna have bad a thousand, and then it makes certain things go a little bit easier. As far as the support paper, try not to get too, too close to it. It's okay to hold on to something. Yeah, I'll go over it again. But it's okay to hold on to something in your hands. You know, if it's, as long as you're not hanging from it, it's, it, it's the paper is not helping you. It could have been blank. You still would have been able to do just fine. And the bottom line is, sometimes having a little safety device in your pocket may make you feel a little better as long as you know it's a safety device and it's not real. The real is you. The koach is coming from you. As far as the issue of looking people in the face and looking down away, etc. That that too has to get has to be something that we will be able to overcome by Dafka doing the opposite. When we get stuck in a situation, even a one-on-one, you said dating or when you meet with a Roshiva or somebody, Khashiv, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming because you don't know what's the other person going to think of you. What's going on with that? I want that other person to like me. I want that. I want to put my best foot forward, which of course means that you're calling up your anxiety to be extra careful on yourself instead of letting yourself be who you are. And so, therefore, I say to myself, I can't tell myself, "Don't think about it," but I can tell myself to do something else. And what's that? Focus on basic things. If you're talking to somebody and you want to be able to get somewhere, look them in the eye and just tell yourself, okay, but now I'm going to look this person in the face. All right. And the faster you get used to that, then you can get to the third point, which you made, which is the going away after half an hour. What's happening after that half an hour is that you're doing what we call in the professional world habituation. You're getting used to it. You you ever go into the the swimming pool or the mikvah, right? You pick yourself up and and if you put your little toe in first and you say the water's too cold, and then you wait to get your the first half of your foot in, and then you wait to you get your 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 the rest of your foot and your ankle and your leg, it'll be 45 minutes and you still will only be up to your right knee. The faster way to go in certain instances is to turn around, bite your lip, throw yourself in. When you're inside the water, you're it, it'll be cold. But when you get up, your body gets used to it. Then you get, you, you pick your head up out of the water. You're ready to do the swim or you're ready to finish the Tvila, whichever place you happen to be. The same thing happens when we are in social situations. If we have to move so slowly, sometimes we have to, we have to realize that when we're doing that, we're actually prolonging uh, the anxiety and prolonging the agony. If I say to myself, I'm in this situation now, I don't want to wait a half an hour. What I want to do is look the person there, and that's what I'm going to concentrate on. And I'm going to concentrate on looking that person in the eye and I'm going to concentrate on what I want to say for trying my best to let the other thoughts about what the person is thinking about me pass by me. So again, we have our big phrases and I'll go over them because somebody else asked me to do it, right? Which is the maybe, could be, let's say, what if, and oh my gosh, maybe, could be, let's say, what if, and oh my gosh, we learn to see those phrases in our head, they're anxiety producing. When I catch myself using it, even if it's a possible that it's going to be real, it's not real right now. So that makes it anxiety. I don't listen to anxiety thoughts. I let them sit here. I don't try to push them out of my brain. I say, your anxiety, you have to be here right now. But I have another job to do. I have to look at that other person in the face. I have to look at the Rashida and say what I have to say, or I have to look at the crowd. Right? I'm worried about the whole crowd. I don't know where to focus. Good. Pick one person. When I did that video that uh, Rebel Ushi mentioned before, uh, it was filmed actually in my shul, and I didn't know where to look. And the first beginning of the first take, I I got stopped, and the guy from the camera, the camera guy, looks at me and he says, This is not going to work. You're moving around like a child this morning, and this is not going to work. You have to stare at the camera. So I said, Okay, what am I going to do? I brought somebody else to sit in the room and he sat right in front of the camera and I just talked straight to him. And I realized that the very thing I was talking about is the very lesson I was taking at the time I cut that video. I was looking at one person and focused and I shot the entire video at the same time. And the same thing has to happen and can happen. Pick one place, it becomes your focus point. Pick one activity, stare at the person in the eyes. There's nothing more confidence building. And by the way, gives off a good impression. And when you get a chance to look somebody in the face, you're showing the other person a machshavio, And you can do that. And it's a simple, this is what I'm doing. You don't have to explain why. You don't have to explain how. So just remember, look them in the eyes. Just remember, look them in the eyes. Everything else will flow on itself. Okay. Dr.
1: Schwartz, let's go back to let's get into it, okay? I'm sorry, not, not to read the messages, because it makes it more complicated, okay? Just me. Okay, sorry. Here we go. Somebody sent me a question. I went to Shul last week. There were over 20 people in Dominion. The Gabi was pushing them to start davening to find the chazam. After 15 minutes, one person finally stepped up. I know I suffer from this. I see a lot of people suffering this. Why,
2: why are others finding it so difficult to daven for the hummus? Everybody's busy thinking of the same thought. It's really, it's fascinating, and I've watched it happen, and I'm sure you have also. Everybody is busy thinking in everybody else's head. What? What do I mean by that? Stop. Look and see what everybody else is doing. Think about this. You're all in the same place. You all have the same job. You all have the same fear. And what are you all afraid of? Some form of the following. Ready? They're going to reject me. They're going to. They're going to look at me and think I'm a fool. They're going to think I can't. I'm weird. They think I can't sing. They think I'm not going to be able to do the simplest things. They think I'm 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 gonna make a, a, a. They're gonna see how anxious I am, and they're gonna think I'm crazy. It's all around some form of the same basic idea. If I get up in front of these people, something bad's gonna happen, and I'm gonna look like a fool. What they don't realize is the other 19 people in the room are having the exact same thought at the exact same time, right? And and so what I tell people in those situations is, Aleph. We're all having the same thought. Go do it. I'm low, I'm low apta than me. I remember I had one guy once upon a time, I had one guy. He, he was learning in BMG, a very a guy. And uh, he got this fear in his head that he couldn't have mincha at the end of Seda. Right? He couldn't. So I you know, I told him, I said, What are you afraid of? He says, so I'm already an older guy. I I I can't um the I look like a fool. I said, if I make a mistake in ever, I said, So make a mistake in ever, so get up and try it. So he says, "But everybody else can look at me." I said, "How many other guys are rushing to the yamid, and you're a small minion in BMG?" So he says, uh, "Actually, nobody. Actually, nobody." I said to him, "So go do it." I said, "Come call me back. Go do it three times out of the next six in the next uh, week and likely call me up." He says, <laughs> they tries it the first time, and he calls me back and goes, "That was shrekless. That was the worst thing in the world." I said, "Really? You just did something you haven't done in six months." He says, "Fine, I'll do it again." So he does he chooses to skip the next day and the third day he tries it again and he came back and he goes it really wasn't so bad and then and then the day after he did it again he says this really feels great what what changed i said what changed was well tell me what you thought about everybody else he said i gave everybody else the same chance. I said, you want to go i said no so i said okay then i'm gonna do it at least i'll do what schwartz told me to do right and and after that he was off to the races. I think we are, we all have to get used to that. Whatever the other person's gonna think, I'm not by them over, but that doesn't mean I have to give in to that. Okay, amazing.
1: Let's go to the next let's go to the next slide, person. Okay, you're on.
4: First of all, Malza Reb Usher, and thanks you and thanks to both of you for taking my question. Reb um, Usher, you see a lot of sunkas and from from this should last you forever. Amen. Um, My question is that um, when there are topics that are more serious in my mind, they tend to like sit on my mind for longer and it's hard for them to get, it's hard for me to get those thoughts out. Is there any specific practical advice that you can give that I would be able to get that out of my mind? Can you give, I'm sorry, can you be more specific what type of things we're talking about? Like, let's say I'm going to meet somebody to discuss a um, specific thing, so either the topic or the person or both are like on are on my mind. Like before I'm going exactly how the discussion is going to go. Those type of thoughts.
2: Oh, that's and, a great question. Go ahead.
4: No, and it's specifically things that at least I think are like more serious on like my mind things that they're like I probably have pre- previous, there are previous reasons why um, I, I am anxious about these things. But it's more than, than other times, Are other are like practical ways to get it out of my mind. So that, for example, you know, another great, great example is that let's say I'm going to have a date. And I know that after that date, I'm going to be meeting somebody. And the meeting that I'm going to have is, is very important. How do I make sure that on the date? I'm totally present and focused and don't have the other meeting that I have after the date on my mind.
2: Okay. It's a good, it's a good example. Two, two, two good examples, two good, uh, two good uh, ideas. So first of all, uh, the first thing you want to remember is you don't want it not on your mind because the first thing that people do is they tell themselves, I can't have this on my mind and can't automatically guarantees that your anxiety is going to go ahead and push you to make it happen and sit in your mind, right? I mean, if I tell you right now, think about anything you want to think about under the sun, just not one thing. You should do this as a poll question for next week, uh, right? I think you could think for the next two minutes about anything you want. You can all try it. Anything but a pink elephant. You you got it? Just not a pink elephant. (laughs) Anything else, you know, it's a, I, I, so I however many people are watching right now and, and all the people are going to be watching tomorrow, I guarantee you in the next two minutes, all they're going to think about are pink elephants. They're going to see big ones floating around them, unless somebody else has done the shtick with you before, right? So what happened? How, I told you not to think about a pink elephant. The last week, the last month, the last year, I bet you you never thought about a pink elephant. Not only that, I have a surprise for you. There are no such things as pink elephants. Elephants are great. I, all I do is give you a, a, a instruction not to think about something. And what do you do? You go right ahead and think about it. And so did pretty much everybody in the room. Everybody who's listening to us tonight. And why is that? Because when we tell ourselves we can't do something, we automatically do it. And so if you go into that date and you say to yourself, I have to meet with Yanom afterwards. Right. And and I have to keep in mind and I have to be there. And I can't think about this guarantee one thing you're going to think about it you're better off saying to yourself wait a second I'm, these thoughts the thoughts about this meeting are going to be here but what do i want to do in front of me right now so the first thing i say to you is remind yourself you, this this meeting is important also this could be your potential best show right so tell yourself i'm out with this girl right now or i'm out with this guy right now because we, we can swing it swings both ways right and, uh, and, and right now, all I want to be able to do is I want to be able to say to myself, I'm going to look at the person and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and just try to keep the conversation going back and forth. That's it. Very direct grounded responsibilities. You'll find as the last caller did, that as, as it happens. And as you start to tell yourself, that's okay, that I have the other thoughts, you actually wind up focusing more. Now I'll get to that stuff Later. And you'll remind yourself, talking to yourself, I'll get there. It's okay that it's here, but I'll get there. Now let me see what I'm doing over here. And you're mentally telling yourself, focus over here. It helps a ton. Beautiful. Okay. We have another live question. Let's
1: jump into the next live one. I saw everyone on mute. You're okay.
5: Yeah. Oh, that's hi. Me. Oh, hi. Yeah. hi. I'm so bad. Tov, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> um, I was going to say there are a lot of issues, unfortunately, when I, when I present myself, I don't really present myself well. Um, maybe this is therapeutic to even be here on this <laughs> and talk, but I, I find that a big pro, uh, problem, you, you talk about you know, p- people being afraid of feeling foolish or something, or, you know, or saying the wrong thing. I, I mean, we all you know, I, We all tend to do that. I, I'm always worried about misunderstanding things. I always had a tendency to do that. So, you know, I can say something, it's not so much saying something, you know, inappropriate, tactless, but something that's not, you know, you can realize you're in a conversation and then, or you're talking about something either in public or with a friend, a date, whatever. um, And you suddenly realize that, you know, that's not what they, you know, I misunderstood what they were saying. And that kind of like makes me feel more stupid. You know, I already feel, I already have that complex as it is. But then you get into these situations that make you feel, you know, even more foolish. Like I, I you know, like I feel like it's an intelligence issue more than even just poise. Um, so what
1: you're saying I, is there's a fear of not you're going to be in a conversation and feel or not understand and feel stupid yeah, in the
2: conversation.
5: Yeah, yeah, but I do have a tendency to misunderstand things, and so, I've, I've, it's not the first time or the second. Let me put it that way.
2: It is so common. It's such a yeah. great example. I gotta, I, I must tell you what you just brought <laughs> up was a great, great common example. We all, how many people do you know, fake understanding what's going on? Come on, you all well done. How uh, about right? when somebody tells you a joke and you don't get it and you go, <laughs> that's a good Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> right.
5: exactly, so I don't always get no, it. No, no, so I'm a radio. poster child, right.
2: yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So, 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 you know, to a certain degree, it takes a certain uh, level of confidence for yeah. ourselves. And I would say to you, the greatest feeling in the world is mm-hmm. to be able to say to yourself, boy, I missed that one. I, <laughs> I've, I've started doing it, you know, in certain instances when I felt really foolish. Yeah. And, and, and um, I'll just look and go, boy, I, must, I missed that one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people just stop and they look at me and they go, wow, you really feel comfortable being wrong, right? Or, or comfortable being <laughs> misunderstanding. And you will yeah. be amazed at how it warms people up. I remember I, I was with somebody I value very much. We're in a particular place and I was scared stiff. It was, you know, this is going back a number of years ago, I was scared stiff of the person we were with. And this person who it happens to be a family member of mine is scared of nobody. She doesn't care at all. So we're standing in this room. I had no idea what I was going to say to the person on the house. We're looking at this room and there are all these weird artifacts on the ceiling. And, um, she looks at him and she says to him, wow. So tell me something about those little pieces on the roof. And he went, he, he just stopped and he looked at her. I was like, I was ready to fall into the ground because he was a special person. Every time I spoke to him, I felt like falling in the And he looks at her and he, and he just smiled. And he said, let me tell you about that. It took two little Chinese women that we brought in from China to put every single piece in the roof as it is. And she just sat there nodding her head and smiling. And when she said, she, I said, I, where'd you get the guts to talk to this guy about She says, I saw he looked a little nervous. He didn't really like everybody else standing around. I figured, I, I said, did you really catch this?' nah, but you know what? I didn't know. I knew there was a story. I figured I'd drag it out of the person. And half the time he kept bringing up words and I kept stopping him saying, wait a minute, where did that come from? Where does that culture come from? And that confidence just came through. Here's the guy who treats, who treats anxiety. Right. And I'm telling you, I was amazed by this family member, but I've I've learned from it. And I try hard. And I'll tell you, don't be afraid to turn to somebody and go, oh, I I missed that. I didn't understand that. It's the same fear that you're that that so many of us have that, oh, we'll look foolish in somebody else's eyes. You know you know what? When somebody turns around and says, hey, wait a second, she's important. Right? And she's I'm talking to her and she didn't get it. Hey, she's important. Let me let me explain it, you know, so that she can join in on the conversation. Mm-hmm. And look, she's gutsy because she bothered to explain. Oh, I missed that. What was what was the joke over there? Or what was the comment? Or I missed it. She's gutsy. I like that. You become much much more enriched in the process, and you'll wind up feeling more confident in the conversation as well. <laughs> great.
1: Okay, let's go to another question. Then we'll go to a live question. Okay, go ahead. I've spoken, this is a, maybe I can relate to this. I've spoken many times at a family simcha. I speak very comfortably and well. The problem I find myself, is up until up until I actually speak, for sometimes weeks beforehand, I'm so scared. I'm so scared for weeks leading up to the speech. But once I'm up there, I'm good to go. Can you please explain the fear to me and what can I do about it? Basically, it's the pre-fear. Once I'm there and I'm speaking in public or I'm conversing with the lady, like the guy said on the date, I'm totally fine. And I know I'm going to be fine. But before I get there, whether it's a day, an hour, or whatever it is, the, the pre-fear, the fear of the
2: fear, but it's not La What is it and how do I deal with that? So, so we talk about something called anticipatory anxiety, right? And anticipatory anxiety means the anticipation of the problem, the fact that I'm expecting a problem. And it's, it's actually much, much worse than the actual situation. Why? Because it, it lasts longer and you're, you go through so many possibilities in your head, I think to myself, oh, if I just practice just right, oh, if I just you know go over the speech, if I just tighten this joke, if I just make this piece fit just right, if I work on the Vard, if I really make sure that I not only remember this and this, but that one crazy story that happened that one time, it'll be the perfect speech. And what winds up happening is, when we engage in is we discover each time we practice, we remind ourselves, oh, this doesn't sound good enough for me. It brings back the same thought again and again. So there has to be, we have to put a certain limit on how often we're going to go over it again and again. We need to stop and realize, first of all, it's your mindset and your constant practice that's making you Mm -hmm. crazy. Can I be honest? Sure. So I'm going to be very honest. So today I said to myself, (laughs) do I bother practicing and, and anticipating all the different things that I'm going to talk about tonight? and plan out any possibility and just have like those 11 scenarios in my head that I'm going to present. And I want you to know, I thought about it. I, I, I was driving somewhere. And so, the whole, you know, I had a free amount of time to think about it. And I said, you know what, you're not going to do that. That's just not what you do. It's healthy for you to do it. Right. And so I said, forget it, I'll go back and doing something else. Think about something else. And it makes the flow go that much better. Would I speak better if it was all noted and, and, and scripted? I don't think so. I think you're getting rush words, and I think if anybody's getting, you'll tell me afterwards. And you know what? Hopefully, we'll be able to make it fit. I, I will see you in the speech. I want to wanna, I wanna jump into the next question because somebody's texting. I'm getting a few texts.
1: A lot of people are saying, "Okay, it's all good. How do I? Get, how can I get to the Ahmed when I'm thinking that I will lose myself?" But the problem is, is that when the anxiety comes, I actually do lose myself when I
2: get there. So, so, so I want to quote a very, very well-known modern therapist. His name is The Stipler, right? The Stipler had a safer that came out uh, a number of years ago. It was actually Ravyankala Greenwald, who was a famous psychiatrist in Muncie, put out a safer, uh, you know, with old letters from the stipler. And in the safer, the stipler deals with all these incredible things in the 60s and 70s that psychology didn't pick up until the late 70s, early 80s, and into the 90s. So one in one set place, the guy, the guy writes and says, I keep getting distracted and dominant. So the stiple says, why don't you use this little thing called a finger and put it on the place? It's not that I think you need need your little kid in school and you're going to lose the place for the Rebbe. We say in davening, right? The more that you put yourself into your your situation, the better off you're going to be. So if I put my finger and I put it on the place, right? And I I press and I tell myself, here's what I'm doing. I'm just saying this word, next, next word, next, next word. The davening just starts to flow. Because you're going to move your finger along and you just keep moving. It's not my own advice. It's the cycler. It also happens to fit modern psychology, but that's what works. How do I talk to my thoughts? You're saying the person
0: has so many thoughts. He says, don't do it. It sounds like you managed to do it. Is, Is that how it works the first time you have to practice?
2: No, it's because uh, I, I think anytime you talk, we, we talk to ourselves all the time, right? I assume They're just ruminating in my mind. I should just say, stop. I don't, I don't listen to the rumination. I just remind myself. I don't want to tell myself in my brain, just stop. Says, I'm having an anxious moment. That's okay. I'm going back here. Well, you do your thing. Anxiety, you do your thing. I, I'm going to keep going with this next word over here. It's almost like a, if you do it, it's almost like a parallel process. With all due respect, you guys, you guys don't have this problem, but I do, right? When I dive in, you ever notice when you're in the middle of Priyishma, right? Uh, and, and, or, or in the middle of Pesukka Zimra, and you know you said every word, but you don't really remember 100%. One of the best tapes I ever heard, uh, Rishi Wiseman, <laughs> he was talking about the two knocks and a swipe. Did I tell you about the two knocks and a swipe? So he says, he says, it's happened to every... I'm listening here on the, on, on the Shias goes back years one of the early shurim on Yermio. And he goes, I, it happens to everybody. They're all sitting around and it's a little Shabbos, right? And you get up in the middle of your monastery and you had your eyes closed and you were going to try to get it all out. And you're, you're really concentrating and you're, you're, you're thinking and you're damning And all of a sudden you hear that one sound in the second one, when you clap slachlanu avinu, which you knew you weren't supposed to do. And you feel your tie next to it. And you wait wait a minute, why am I wearing a tie? Whoops, it's Shabbos. Right? So you've done the two knocks. And then Rudy Shaw says, and then you start wiping it off. Like now all of a sudden it's going to erase, right? It happens, right? It happens. You know, we have parallel processes when it comes to kavana. We can have the same parallel processes in our heads all the time, right? When I, when I can say to myself, this is going on in my head, but I'm going to focus here. It's like that, that can run. That little tape in my head can run. Our brains always look for new material. It, we, we, we have millions of pieces of information coming in. Menachem, Coach Menachem, you're sitting in a chair right now. How comfortable are you in that chair? Well, two minutes ago, you didn't even notice anything about how the chair was fitting against your back. It's only when Crazy Schwartz looks at you and says to you, hey, how's the chair feeling That's your brain against your back? that your brain goes, oh, wait, Taka, there's, is, there's a, it's fitting in this place against my back but the information's been coming in the whole time. Your brain just says, forget that. I'm listening to some guy shorts. I have to be able to, you know, that's new and some nuance. Do that with your brain. Yeah, I know I have an anxiety going on, but the nuance is what I'm saying right now. And, and the more pressure, the more the pressure from your finger, the, 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 the eyes are over there, the, the, the desire to tell yourself, keep the finger moving. It, it gives you more that's happening now. And the more senses you put into it, your eyes, your mouth, your your ears, and your fingers, the more your brain's gonna say, I have to put more energy here, so here's where I'm gonna devote my attention. Amazing. Okay, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Hi.
0: Hi, thank you very much, Rabbi Schwartz. Uh, You able to hear me well, Rabbi? Yes, perfect, Uh, perfect. My question concerns the post-performance anxiety, the second guessing and rehashing after you've done the event. Whether it's a lecture, meeting, social setting, you're going over and over again, and I should have done this, or maybe I should have done that. That's my question.
2: Excellent question, excellent. And, and uh, call me tomorrow, I'll tell you what happened after this one. Now, joking aside, uh, joking aside, you know, to put, it, to put it honestly, it's an excellent question. I would limit myself, right? It's done, what am I? The other piece of anxiety that you can tell your anxiety thoughts if it's, if it's not relevant to right now, then it's anxiety. What does that mean? I, if, if, it's, if it's something that I did in the past, what, past can be 10 years, five years ago, or 10 or 15 minutes ago. And, and I'm still sitting over it more than a couple of minutes to see what am I gaining right now? How is it affecting me? How am I going to use it to help me right now? Then I label it, if it, if it's, if it doesn't meet those two rules, Either it's relevant to me right now, or I'm going to make it relevant right now in practical steps. I pick tur- I pick the rest of it up and put it into the anxiety bin because there's no point to the rest of it. And when I train myself to say anxiety, that's what you are. I can say, you're going to sit here for a little bit, but you're going to sit here for, you're going to get used to it because you'll see the anxiety bin and you're going to say, okay, that's like the trash heap. You're with me. You're following what I mean, Right. It helps a ton. If it's not relevant to where I am right now, it's not gonna help me. And so therefore it's anxiety. Let me move on. Very right,
1: the Dr. Schwartz. There's so many live questions coming in. It's great. I know it's unbelievable. Everybody's fixing on the fears now. They're also awesome okay. questions. I, I there's a few questions that we gotta cover. There's a lot of like for the moment speaking. I know there's this dating question, so let's let's try to cover some more of the, the Davening. Okay. We'll, go, we'll throw dating into it soon. Um, When I have a yard site, I make sure to gather a small million of people that are complete strangers and helps with my anxiety. What are the conditions that seem to make this better or worse? Like, does it make a difference in the size of the Oilem or whether you're (coughs) or adopting
2: in front of family versus friends or strangers? So so I had, it's funny, I used to think one thing, right? One guy walks into my office, I think it was a Tuesday afternoon, right? Right around your time, he has a yard site coming up and he says to me, the worst thing in the world is when he has to get up and diving in front of strangers. So we made a whole system where he started off with closer relatives, then he went beyond and beyond till he was in a room full of strangers. And, and two hours later, literally, like two patients later, the guy comes back and a new person comes into your office and he says to me, oh, the absolute worst thing in the world is when I have to dive in, in front of close relatives. What's the difference? The difference is what the actual thought is that's bothering the two people, right? The first guy, He's worried what everyone else is going to think of him, right? And so, therefore, the less they know him, the more he's concerned about his reputation. And so, for him, I'd say to him, start in one place and expand yourself till you're less and less and less known, but work yourself up to being able to go to Satmer, right? And 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 or, or another and you know, another factory and build yourself up so you can get into that matzah. Start in a, a group that you know move beyond, move beyond, move beyond. The second group, I'd say, to go in the opposite direction. That, that guy got yelled at by, by Uncle Sammy, right? Uncle Sammy came over to him when he was 15, 16 years old and says, nobody in our family ever learned to daven like that before. Where'd you learn to do such an awful job? So he's never afraid to do anything else, but in front of his family, he all of a sudden shuts down. So mm-hmm. for him, we move the hierarchy backwards, start at Satmer, then move back forward. And if you could do that, you'll be much better off. Okay, Dick. Okay, let's go to a live question. You're on. Fantastic.
4: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me?
2: Got it. You're perfect.
4: Um, sometimes anxious thoughts feel like stopping to peel a scab. Um, you just make it sound like you can shut it off. How do you shut off an anxious thought that's quite persistent?
2: First of all, you don't shut it off. Excellent question. I, I'm sorry, I miss uh, if i if I created the wrong impression for you, I apologize. I'm glad you you reached out to to correct that. I'm not telling you to shut shut it off. If you try to shut it off, it's not going to shut off. What you want to do is box it and label it, right? Let it sit there and give yourself something else that you want to do at the parallel. because when you do that, you're going to be able to turn around. <laughs> and be able to handle. The second thing I would say to you is, decide what you want to do in that situation. Right now, I want to uh, you know, get up and speak to that teacher. So I know I feel like Shrek Luch, and I know that it's scaring the pants at me, and I know that the teacher is looking at me, and all the other women that I'm friendly with are gonna think I'm crazy, but I'm going to do this. And, I, and I'm gonna take those thoughts in my head, that I'm going to make a, I'm gonna have a problem and I'm going to let that be an anxiety thought and I'm going to focus instead on asking that question because it's important to me and because I want to show myself I can. And when you're done, please pat yourself on the back. Treat yourself, you did it. and then go do it again. Because if you stop and you, you say to yourself, I hit my one goal, it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't continue. You got to keep rehearsing over and over and over again. Keep showing yourself. I can still do it. I can still do it. I can build and I can make it better.
0: That was a mistake. Except that was a mistake. Yeah,
2: I, I make mistakes. Am I still I guess, okay? I'm sorry? Am I still okay? If that was a mistake, am I still
0: okay? Yeah, so here's a question that came in. I know this question sounds crazy, but I have these feelings. My father is very sick, uh, and will prob- uh, probably pass away soon. Besides feeling sad about the situation, I'm more concerned about starting to daven for the Ahmed every day. What advice can you give me? Um, not to think about this, you know, during this painful time. I should be t- busy with uh, my father and not worry about davening.
2: What can you tell such a person? So, the, you know, the, the first thing I want to tell such a person is I hope his Father a full Shlema, I mean. but reality is reality, right? And, and um, hopefully whatever happens, happens. And, and the second thing I want to remind him is, right now, where is our focus, right? Where is our focus? And I would say to him, when the time comes, I'll deal with it then. I don't need to deal with it now. I'll deal. Whatever will happen at that point, I will deal with it then. For now, what is my bigger focus? Yes, the thoughts are going to sit here. If he does, what's going to happen? How am I going to be masculine? in? How am I going to get up and dominant for the next year? But I'll, I'll approach each question one step at a time and one day at a time. Because when I approach it, each one in its right space and its right time, I have something I can do about it right now. I say, I often say to everybody, the most, the nine most important words you will ever hear from me are, what do you want to do about it now? If you can't answer that question, what do you want to do about it now? Then the question's not a question, it's an anxiety.
0: Maybe we can get to a little practical tip. Imagine somebody wants to start davening for the Amid. What would be the the two or three things you would tell them how should he start? He's never done it before.
2: Okay. So so let me ask him. Uh, let's say he's never done it before. He's scared stiff. He's worried about how, how it's going to be perceived. So question number one, I say to him, is what are you worried about? He's worried that he's gonna pass out and they're gonna take him out in the middle of Khazar Sashatz and Hatsolo is gonna to have to come and pull him out. You can laugh, but let me tell you, if I had a dollar for every single one of those, every single person who came in, I'd be able to slash my rates. Right? The, the, the truth is, it's a very common situation. And what I tell people is, you want to start. It's the hardest part most people say to me is because they feel they, they literally say, you put those feet together and you know you are locked in. So, the first thing I said, can, can you take an Aliyah? Can you take an Aliyah? So, the guy who can't take an Aliyah, we try to see if he can start with an Aliyah during the week because Aliyahs during the week tend to be pretty short, right? You ready to try? Give it a shot over there. Good. You got the aliyah. Try that for a week. Right? Good. Now you ready to start going to the yamed? Uh, again, if you can't, uh, or you're ready to catch your next step? So let me ask you a question. Are you more worried about a chazor as or about a time? Right? Mincha has a chazor even if it's just a right? right? But my riv has no chazar as but it tends to be a little bit longer. Whichever of the two you feel more comfortable with, start with that. Right? I never tell person to do it all six times a week right? I, I'm not telling him to dump the Amin Shabbos yet, right? I tell him to pick, to pick, right? I'll give him a number four times a week. You pick four times of the week that you're going to do whichever one you're doing, because that way you still have control over the choice. You want to drop out, you drop out, right? Tonight you dropped out, tomorrow you pick up, you're ready to go ahead. Then you add in the other one, whether it's the Mincha or the Marv, whichever one you couldn't do before. Then we start with the Shech right? And each time, each day you finish, stop, pat yourself on the back, look what you did. And it becomes a process. Within three, four, five weeks, the person's already flying. And the person is now discovering, he's, he's, he's the shots he's the Kavua, the biggest beast medrash, right? And he doesn't understand where that happened. And don't worry if it doesn't happen that fast. Don't worry, just keep consistent. And there's, there's always room to keep growing with it. And just with the consistency of the actual behavior, You're constantly trying and then pushing to the next step just to give it a shot. It always winds up moving you forward. It's the same repetitive process, but it's the bigger risk. And you're discovering the whole time I can handle the bigger risk. Before you know it, you're davening the Yom Kippur, and uh, you're pushing the rub out of the way.
1: Wow. Okay, let's get into this a little bit. I just came back from seminary and I'm going on my first date this week. I'm quite nervous, and I think I might have dating anxiety. What does dating anxiety look like? What advice do you have for young boys and girls with this kind of anxiety?
2: This is a amazing question, because the first thing that, you know, boys and girls think to themselves, they start going out on a date is, maybe I have a problem, right? Find me the person who is not nervous on their first date. That's the first thing I say, find me the person. So therefore, where does, where does a person, I, I, I point that out to you to normalize it to yourself. There is a certain degree of nerves you expect to have. Let me give you a parallel though, right? What happens to the girl who says, I just got read my first shalach, I'm supposed to go out on my first date, today's Sunday. Let's say she's supposed to go out on her first date on Wednesday and she's not gonna sleep Monday and Tuesday, right? And right, she can't eat half, halfway in between. So now you all of a sudden have to ask yourself, what's the change over here? or she can't function, any, anything in between. That she's excited, that she's nervous, they're really two sides of the same coin. Biologically, they're exactly the same. I often say to people, you know when the band strikes up at a chasna, right before the chasna and kala come in for the first time? Bum, 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 You feel that pressure, right? That's the same thing, the same exact symptoms that you feel when you label it as panic but, or, or, as, or as anxiety. So I say, that's what it looks like. It's a question of how you're interpreting it into your head. And by the way, my, my advice to you is, well, give yourself room to fail. I had a guy once, he was so nervous. I think his mother was responsible, but don't say that out loud, right? His, I think his mother was responsible. She kept telling him, you're going to have a problem on the date. It's going to be an issue on the date. And he came to me, he said, I'm freaked out. I'm supposed to go out with a girl for the first time. And I'm freaked out. I said, I, I, do you think you can't handle it? He says, yeah, but if I mess this up, my mother's going to kill me. So, uh, so what happens? He goes out with the girl and the first beginning of the date, he said, it was incredible. The first 30 minutes I was freaked out. I better not mess up to the point where he wound up making a left turn and he turned onto a one-way street going the wrong way. And, and the girl stops and says, I'm sorry to say this to you, but I think you're going the wrong way on a one-way street. And he said for a split second, the thought that flashed through his head was, Oh gosh. But he turned himself around and he said, after that moment, everything was great. He felt more comfortable. He was able to proceed. He was going to go ahead. Everything was valid and fine. He comes home and he tells his parents, it was the first half of the date was terrible. And then I went the wrong way down the one way street. His mother said, oh my gosh, he ruined the shidduch. They're married with two kids today. Hashem, Right? Why? Because the girl said, the girl said to him, and then she, he told me the story. He said, once she saw, once he was able to see that she can handle him being wrong, it was so much more comfortable for him to be himself. If she can handle me going wrong down the one-way street, I'm not advertising that. Please don't take that in. Then now all of a sudden, all over Lakewood, you have to watch out when the guys come out of the freezer, that now all of a sudden, everyone's going to be going the wrong way down one-way streets. But what I am saying is, when you turn around and you give yourself room to fail, it's going to help you. Another guy I, I, I dealt with, uh, who's a young woman, actually, her, she went out, the guy takes her to a lounge, right, to, 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 for the first date, and out of nowhere, two other dates show up on each side, and they're both her two best friends. <laughs> and she's on her first date. They were professionals, right? They were each going out on their third date. And she said it was mortifying, and she was scared out of her brain. She felt like she was, like, watching the whole thing. So, so I said, what'd you do? She said, I told the guy, oh, those are my two friends. She says, did, and he says, did you invite them here? He said, she says, no, you picked the place. And again, long story short, she's uh, hopefully getting married at the end of the month, right? Uh, and uh, she said it was just a different experience for her because she allowed herself to, 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 to decide, I don't have to be perfect, I have to be made. And, uh, and that did a ton for calming her down. Wow. Amazing.
1: Listen to the question the other way, (coughs) my parents have a horrible marriage and, and it gives me tremendous dating anxiety. Additionally, I always hear such, so many divorces, crazy stories of
2: girls, my age, how do I take that anxiety and continue with the dating process? Another great question, because take a look at what's happening to the person. Just look, look at it like this. What's she doing? She's taking news pieces that are around, right? look, divorces happen and, and horrible marriages exist. But what she's doing is she's assuming that all those things are going to happen in her situation. So I want her to stop and ask herself: are you paying attention to your situation? Who says just because divorces happen, that that's the thing that's gonna happen with this date with this person? Yes, they happen. Yes, that may be a topic of conversation that you may have in other instances and other opportunities. It may even come up on some of these dates when you're talking and shooting the breeze. That depends who you are and where you come from and how comfortable people feel. I don't recommend you talk about your parents' horrible marriage early on in dating. I don't think that's necessary, but uh, but that's for you to decide. Uh, but, but the ability to take those thoughts that you have around you and say, yes, they exist. They are reality. Are they no gayer to me right here, right now? The answer is no. And so therefore I'm aware of them. I'm holding them in my back pocket, but instead what I'm going to do is go with this boy or this girl at this time and see where we stem, how we stem and whether we're going to try it again next time.
1: Okay, let's go Do We have more live questions. One second, unmute. Up. i'm getting anxiety wait one more, 10 more seconds the person who asked an m just unmute please okay let's go to this question you ready yep. <coughs> why not just skip the whole bible for the other thing the gemara it sounds like they hired darshanim and chazalim assist that you could even pay for people even a chiev why why can't you just say the nifta made you a yasin not a chazan? a lot of this is i, I want to just clarify this question because maybe people are not gonna understand that a lot of people when they do have to down for them or they have the if they say listen i'm a, a Yasam, i'll pay somebody i'll i'll do what i have to do and they're just avoiding the whole thing so a i, I don't know if you to talk about the religious part of it or do you want to talk about just is
2: this like an escape mechanism but I, i've heard this comment many times go you know, the first guy who told me that comment when I died, when my parents died, they left me a yosem. They didn't make me a chazen was Elie Wiesel, right? The famous Elie Wiesel. It's the first guy. I, I didn't know he had a sense of humor, uh, you know, I, but but he, he said it to me. And I was like, wow, you know, everybody does it. But really, joking aside, uh, you know, stories aside, avoidance is the death nail uh, of anxiety. Everyone thinks I'll just avoid it. I'll just avoid it. But let me tell you a secret. You avoid something and you think you've sideswiped the problem, the anxiety is still there. In fact, it, it just starts creeping in deep closer and closer. I remember one guy I treated who was afraid. He was afraid to die for the Ahmed, and then he got afraid to take an aliyah. And so he he put all these different systems in place so that nobody should know that he's a klutz with his ivra. He wasn't a klutz with his ivra, but that's what he thought. So all of a sudden his uh, his his tenth grade son. You know, Masifta had an off Shabbos, invited a friend over, a couple of guys over for Su Shabbos. We're talking about a balabas, like a very cheshiver individual. And here he is in a beautiful house, in a beautiful Shabbos dish, and he gets up to make Yiddish, and he's looking at these kids. They're kids, they're 16-year-olds, and he's holding the coat, and, and, and he, he's holding his case, and he looks at it, and he looks at the guys, and he has to stop, put it down, and sit down for a couple of minutes to calm himself down. So he calls me afterwards, he says, what happened? I said, well, do you tell me what happened? He said, I don't know. I just thought to myself, the kids are going to look at me. He says, "I was like I was in shul bombing for the helmet again and running out. I said, it's exactly what happened. When you avoid, you think you're going to run away. The, the anxiety is living inside somewhere. It's got a spot in your head. So when you think you're going to avoid it, it's just going to cut off your world more and more and more. I think you should give it a shot and stop running away from it and instead turn around and uh, try to go ahead and confront. Try to give yourself the the fighting chance. You will be successful. Do you know one out of five people suffers from some degree of anxiety, and social anxiety is high on that list. So you're talking, in, you know, one in five people. I mean, we're we're there are three of us right here in the uh, in the in the general room between you, me, and Coach Benach. I know which one of us has the social, you know, uh, Oh, so it's two out of three. So then that leaves room for Coach others. From
1: Davin's, uh Davin's Musa, Rosh Hashanah.
2: Oh, so, okay. So it's two out of three. That's probably where we got the rest of the space. But but when push comes to shove, it's so common for people to have the situation. So to be able to turn around and, and say to ourselves, okay, I'm not going to avoid. I'm going to approach. We're going to get so far. Okay, Dr. Schwartz, I want to I get into it with you a little bit. Do you right. think a lot of times when you go to shoot, shoot there's
1: guys in the back and the kiddish clubs and the guys hanging and laughing, especially, very shockingly, usually mostly during Kriya am right? Mafter, do you feel or do you think that's the way they're trying to avoid it by doing all these boxes and mechanisms and they always go to the bathroom at
2: that specific time? What is that all about? Different people, different things, but I, I won't put a full number, but I'll tell it to you this way, there are plenty of people are doing it for that. I know a guy in Erichie right now that, that buys you know they sell each of the alias right And each minion he's he buys every minion he goes to he buys up all the alias he's a call cool younger man he's not making a million right and he but he's so afraid of getting an alia that he goes in and he figures it's 10 it's worth the 10 shekels right? most days what do you pay 10 shekels? right not a big deal so he says he got to the point where wherever he goes there's an earthen that knows they'll bid him up and so now he said, he, he realized he had a problem when it was costing him 50, 60 shekel a day. And he had to go tell his wife why you know why he, he's missing 50, 60 shekel uh, because he went to Minyan and he bought everyone kibudim. She says, slow down on being mechabed everybody else. How about being mechabed us a little bit with a little couple of extra dollars for a loaf of bread, for, for a little bit extra milk for the kinderlech or whatever. So he realized he had to, he had to really approach the problem and deal with it. So again, there are people, they run out, they disappear. I've seen guys who are Kohanim who never, ever were around for the crying but they're always backed by Levy. Right? It does happen. It's not worth it.
1: Okay, now let's get into La
2: Maisa.
1: right? We're all here. Okay, I know I suffer from public speaking and diving for the So what do you do with this condition? How can I treat it? Is there a medication that will relieve this? Is there a shot, not a vaccine, to kill the anxiety and then let it go? Another... Part two of that, I would like to drink, but the issue is I lose control of my clarity in my words. So it's like a two part question Is there just like a little button or a little like vaccine we could take that would just resolve this issue? And B, I don't care. I'm fine. I'll medicate myself and I'll drink myself. The problem I have when I do that is
2: I lose my clarity of mind. So how could I daven when I'm. Blah, 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 blah. So that's the question. Right. So I, I, I think a lot of the anxiety that that that's actually the worst thing to do. So the guy who gets up to speak or the person who drinks in those situations, the girl gets you know, high, high on her before she goes on a date, she has a little bit, you know, something to what she thinks is settling her nerves. So actually she doesn't realize, he doesn't realize whoever it is that's drinking, right? It actually- oh, I got to really, take my Xanax, you know, I got it before that date, got to take a Xanax. So before the Xanax, I'll get to the Xanax second. But, the, but alcohol by definition has, has been shown to actually increase anxiety for the very reason you pointed out, right? So I really think that you got to be a little bit more wise in your decision how you're going to try to prove but let's go back to the meds right when the person says to himself can i pop a pill there are anti-anxiety medications but all that does is lower some of the anxiety it doesn't take away the problem right it doesn't i i heard a great muscle when i was in training from a guy who said uh, said you want to know what it's like it's like a guy who you give him you give him a a a a a, 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 a responsibility to run from Lakewood to Howell, right? From the wrong end of Lakewood to Howell, right? It's a sizable run. And you say, oh, but by the way, before you leave, here's a backpack that we're strapping to your body that's gonna have 50 pounds dead weight in it. So the guy starts moving, there's no way he's making it. He just says like, it's not even worth it. He's struggling, like he barely walks a block. He walks to to the end of the block and then I show up in a car and I snip off the backpack and then he goes running. he still has to run to howl. It's still a very serious run, but he feels all of a sudden like he can do it. If you don't, if you take, if all you do is take off the backpack, you still haven't gotten to howl yet. And I think that that's the same thing when it comes to medication. Medication alone doesn't work. What you gotta do is, is go ahead and approach it and you can do it.
1: Amazing, amazing, amazing. Let's go to the next live question, okay? It's a good question. No. Hold on one second. Okay, here we go. A mute, please. Awesome. Wait three seconds. Let's let's go. Public speaking. Can you mute. Please. Just wait one second. Okay, you're on.
2: Uh, I'd rather not ask my questions. You might
1: ask them for me. Okay, okay, I'll ask it for you. No problem. Let me read it. Well, okay, an anxiety question. I am terrified as an old, as an older single with significant health conditions, that I might live to, that I might live to an old age all alone with no money to care for myself. The anxiety is terrifying, and sometimes I feel desperate, <coughs> need to escape this possible scenario. I don't want to ask live, so. I'm going to ask it for you. It's an anxiety of that. I'm going to live such a lonely life with nobody to take care of me.
2: Okay. So it's a great, it's a great question. And I hope that it doesn't turn out to be a reality. right. And it's my bracha to you. And I think we can join together that that it shouldn't be a reality. But I think you're very brave and courageous that you you, you put the question out there. And I think that that that's a very critical first step. Because here's my question. You get that thought in your head. And now it's asked in nine words. What do you want to do about it now? Right? So I would say to you, if you're going to use that as a basis to push yourself, to be around other people, to develop relationships, to, to find other opportunities for yourself, to make sure that you find social outlets for yourself, and, and, and not limited to, but including, you know, possibly moving forward. Uh, those things are, are, are means where you answer the question and you're able to say to yourself, okay. I've got something to work on. It's, it's something I can do right now, and I'm going to make it my business to do so. If it's just I'm worried about when I get old, wait till you get old. You sound a lot, lot younger with, with that kind of tenacious energy that you just put out there with that question. You sound a lot younger than you you, you really you really think you are. And I think you're going to have a lot of wonderful arichas and b'shanim and good health and sachnachas. and uh, you're going to see that it's going to work for you. Stay Amen. in the now. Answer. Watch you go. I mean, okay. Now
1: again, we didn't answer the last question. I'm going to grill you more. You ready? Yep. The question last time was. The question last time was, what could I do to help? But then we went to medication, but we still didn't say the practical things. So I want to read you another question, and let's uh-huh. really focus on really getting help. I'm 52 years old. Every year when my parents' birthday is coming up, the panic starts setting in weeks before. So I force myself to dive and do them there but it's extremely difficult. My core question is: once I'm up there, my body starts to shake like a thunderstorm, my hands and knees are shaking, my words start shudder, shudder, shuddering, what advice can you give me once these physical symptoms start happening, and calm myself down, while at the same time, I need to read the words in real time, so, no you know, one thing you're going to tell me, you know, beforehand, tracht and breathe, and do all these things, that's all good, and I'll do all that, but once I'm up there, once I'm reading, and I feel the panic, I can't stop in the middle. How do I calm the physical symptoms and the emotional, like I'm having a panic attack. You know, you said it. Come on, how do you say it? I need a pulmonologist. How does it go? Right.
2: Since, I, 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 need, I need a pulmonologist, a cardiologist, a gastroenterologist, right? You need every allergist under the sun except for exactly. an anxiety specialist. And so so, so let's, let's look at the situation. Ready? Let, I'm
1: sorry. Let's, let's, let's just do this. First, talk about what we do before. Right. Before so, Lamisa, so, and then so, once so, I'm up so, there and the panic starts.
2: The first things first. Weeks before, start, if you're waiting till, till the actual yard site, you're, you're, you know, you're already underway, you already have that panic weeks before, go to a minion factory and start practicing. What does that mean? Challenge yourself even then. It, it, it won't take you more than 10 minutes. Maybe maybe upwards of a half an hour. Go to a minion factory. Someone's going to give it to you. right? I tested this out last week. I was in Bar Park, went to Shomer Shabbos, where I had to catch a mariv. I wasn't a chiev, but I watched. It took, I took one person uh, who wasn't a chiev, you know, uh, to get to a minion. It took them eight minutes. You know, they have minyanum all the time. Find a place, take the yamid, right? Make it a mincha. Start there. Make it a mariv. Just test yourself infrequently in the weeks leading up. Just so you get used to the fact, yeah, it's coming. So what? It's going to happen. I've been here before. I know what I have to do. And there, the other stakes aren't so high for you yet. Start there. Okay. Now we're holding Shabbos before, right? And now that you're worried, they're going to make you like, take them off there. First of all, step one, if you don't want to, remind yourself, if I don't want the mafia, I won't take it. What does that mean? If I don't, I'm giving myself the out. You know what most people do when they know that they that they have the right to say, I don't want to, and they give themselves the out? They they wind up saying, oh okay, it's my choice, and I'll do it.
1: I'm right.
2: The gabai calls you up. That before the gabai calls you up, uh, you, you know, you say that you you're already putting your shoes on, you're coming out the door to go to shul, and you say to yourself, listen, here's the deal, if I need to walk over to the gabai, I will say to myself, I will say to, I walk over to him, tell him, don't give me maftir, right, and then you'll decide, I have the right to do this, I will do what I want to do, then you wind up taking the maftir. Why? Because most people realize they have the option. I'm making the choice. When I choose, instead of having it thrown on me, I'm ready to go ahead and give it a tackle. Okay, now I have the mafia. Uh, maybe it, I made it through the brachas. Maybe I didn't. Let's let's start with before the brachas, right? The most easiest trick to reducing your anxiety in a moment is just take one breath out. Try it now. Just for a split second. Doesn't You feel, if you did it well, right? You feel the entire, it's like a balloon. You blew it up and you just blew it out. All the muscles in your back, in your front. It starts through these. Do it once. That's all you got to do. But you broke the tension in your head. Now get ready. You can make your brachas. If you feel like a mess, a messing up, but just remember before you go ahead with the brachas, you can use your body again, whether it's your finger to press down, they just it's called grounding. I press down with my finger like this, or I another guy tr- taught me a trick press down on your toes, right? Press down, try it right now. you right, you feel it under. I press down on my toes, I feel a pressure right now Well, I'm making the brachas. What am I doing? I'm giving my brain a second message. I, I'm here, right here, right now. So I keep saying brachas, but I feel that I feel what I'm doing right here, right now. I also remind myself. Look, if I messed up, I messed up. Each bracha is a brand new bracha and it's a brand new start. And by the way, slur a word. Slur one word on purpose. Why? Because once you do it, no problems anymore. I wasn't so clear on that one word. And the same thing happens in davening. If you need to, slur the word. Now I got another one for you. I'll take it one step further, if I may. So now I just I finished the haftarah. I'm ready to collapse back in my chair. And the guy, the, and the Gabba goes to me, I right? It happens, right? I went to Florida once. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. I forgot that. Yeah, you know. I went to Florida once. We're, we're away for Shabbos when I first got married. We all get, we wind up in this uh, this place, right? There were 10 Jews in the entire place. And um, it, and um, they, we get through Kabbalah Shabbos and the guy who owns the place looks at us and he goes, okay, the way things work around here is everyone pitches in. So uh, everyone's going to have to do an aliyah or, or an Ahmed or this. So it gets all quiet. Not one of us said a word, right? Nothing. He goes, who's laning Rishon?" Nothing, nothing. But Rishon of every Sedra I know. So finally, after a couple minutes, I figured, okay, I'll at least take Rishan because that I don't have to practice so much. Let everyone else fight over the rest of the Sedra. So I said, fine, I'll do Rishan. So the guy hands me a ticket and he says to me, he who knows how to read Rishan can lane the rest of the Sedra. <laughs> So I said, fine, okay, I cracked out, a, I cracked out the, the sedra, right? Then, it, then at the end of, uh, of the Kriya Satur, which I, whatever I did to it, I have no idea, right? It, it sounded somewhat, something similar to what the meant, right? The guy looks at me and he goes, whoever, he who lanes the laning lanes the mafter, right? And the mafter so around here, I'm in against the mafter, Davin's Moses. I said to myself, oh, Hashem, I I I don't mind doing that because I have to be honest, I could see somebody else having a panic attack, right? Gets up there and 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 you get stuck now, dhammy Muslims. So first of all, remind yourself if I don't want to, you know what I'm gonna say to Gamu? No. And turn around and walk off. But I'm probably not gonna do that. Why? Because I don't want to. If you're choosing to go ahead and do that and you feel just go faster, just go faster and faster and faster. I tell I, I tell this to the kids in our shul by us. They they like to learn the bar mitzvah cetera. I teach them. I ask them two questions in advance. First thing is, I say to them is, if you think that you're going too fast, what should you do? So everyone gets that one right. You slow down. And what if you think you're going too slow? You no. Know, what do you do? Go slower. So, that's you're, you. You're like the third person in 20 years who's gotten that question right. Right. The answer is you still go slower. Why? Because if you're asking the Shiloh to begin with in your head, if the question of should I go fast or slow or whatever, you, you take control, slow down. Just dafka do it. Take some control over something and you'll discover that you're, you are now feeling a little bit more in control and it's helping you.
1: Okay, amazing. Okay, I want to jump into this question. A very interesting question. Somebody sent in, I was read to a great boy. Everything seems really great. I found that that is extremely shy speaking in public and on dates.
2: Is there something that should stare from a shidduch? Is it a chronic issue? It's a great question. Unless the shidduch is going, unless he wants to be a permanent TED Talk speaker or he wants to be on the show every single week, then I don't think it should share the shidduch at all. Right? I, it, it's, a, it's a question. You, know, you said you found out is it chronic? How could it be chronic? Um, if you're still dating him and you, he manages to talk to you on a date, let it be work through you're discovering as time goes on, you like him. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn around and share the shit quite the opposite. I've seen the cases come up. I've had the shilas from parents. Oh, he's a great guy, but I heard you traded him 10 years ago. Yeah. I I often stop and say, really, you're calling me because he was honest with you. And he told you 10 years ago, he had uh, some nerves about davening for the Ahmed. I says, yeah. I said, so what are you worried about? Oh, we, we, we're afraid it'll pass through to the kinder left. I said the one person I can tell you it's not going to pass through to is going to be your kids, but this guy's kids, because this guy knows what to do about a situation and he's going to be able to fly, to fly with it. So, what I would want to do in this situation is as long as you feel as a girl that you're that the guy you're with is 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 capable of relating to you and, and you feel comfortable. Go ahead. Keep moving with it. You'll have a wonderful show, especially if he works on himself and he he wants to be able to improve himself. What more do we want out of our spouses than people who are looking to grow? Here's
0: an interesting question. Somebody wants to know, is there something wrong with me? Who has this kind of anxiety? How is this person different from someone who is just a little bit shy? You
2: know, He feels he's the only one who feels this anxiety. So, so, so he feels that way. It's a great question, Coach Menachem. It's a great question, but he feels that it's, it's something about him. He thinks that it's something wrong with him, right? There's nothing wrong with you. You have a little bit of something that you can work on and improve, all right? And if you look at it as that there's something wrong with you, that's, that is the anxiety talking. It's not you. It's a condition. Well, I'm a little bit flabby. My doctor said to me, you have to lose 20 pounds. I've been working at it, and guess what? Finally, it seems to me moving in the right direction. You know, finally, at least it was until Shabbos. My wife made a, a, a challenge to, not to die for. But, so, but the, the truth is that, you know, when a person has to work on something, so he works on it, she works on it. We all work on things. And so this guy, it's, he feels different. That's his anxiety talking. It's like the first question we dealt with tonight. When we asked about the, you know, the 20 people in the room, 19 of whom didn't have the guts to try and the 20th guy just gave up and said, okay, I'll just get up and do it. It's so common. And he's, it's not that there's something wrong with him, but why should he bother to avoid it? Let him pick himself up and do something about it. He will feel stronger in life. He will feel, look at me. This was something I had a challenge with. This was my new science and I, con- and I conquered it and I worked through it. And i'm proud of myself for getting there
0: the, the people that speak in public have still have anxiety or it's gone so so, so th- do they have anxiety thoughts I, i'm just trying to figure out those people who speak in public i know i know myself i can see the difference between week number one on the show and now two years later but i still feel something
2: so I- I, I once showed somebody that I still do the same thing before I speak in shul every Shabbos. I've been in the same shul for eighteen years, right? And every Shabbos I do the same thing. I before I get up to to the to, to, to darshan, I touch the on Kurdish. So my wife said, "Oh, you know, you ever noticed you did that? You didn't do it in the last shul. Why do you do it here?" I don't know. It's something about the place where I feel that I'm sl- in my head. I'm slowing myself down. It has nothing to do with with uh, uh, a superstition. It has nothing. To- In my head, I'm slowing myself down. She says, 20 years later, you still have to slow yourself down. So yeah, sometimes it's good to slow yourself down and drop, right? And just so that I have my presence. Do I think I have an anxiety? No, I, I settle myself within the process. Do I get an anxious thought? We all get anxious thoughts. There's nothing wrong with it. It's what you choose to do about it that decides whether you just have an anxiety that you're dealing with or whether you have a disorder. The shot in disorder is it's not ordered. It's not the way things are supposed to be. It's not the there right? When you when you take the control over the situation, you let it be, it works out great.
1: Okay. Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Schwartz, let's take a last live question. You're on.
2: Um, Hi, my question is, um, sometimes I get anxiety. Um, If I'm on a date let's say I have to break it off with a guy, Um, I don't like to break their heart. And uh, I don't like to put people on the spot. So I'm wondering, like any advice for that? It's a great question. It's a tough thing to do. So take a look at what you have. You're in a situation and you you're in somebody else's head. Right? You're in somebody else's head. And you should be it's a I shouldn't say you should be. It's normal for you to be there. But let me ask you a different question. If you have to break it off and you don't break it off, what are you doing for yourself? So I need what I would tell you to do in that situation is ask yourself the question. I have a tough job to do right now. I don't like that I have to do this. I don't like to hurt other people's feelings. (laughs) But here's what I have to do. Why? Because it's what I want to do. Not because I want to hurt the other person. I want this person to find the person he wants. And I want to find the person that I want. That's my bashev. And so it's hard. I'm going to take a deep breath. And I'm going to actually say that, listen, with all due respect, you're a great guy. But uh, I don't think this is going to work between us. I think you're looking for somebody different than me. And so I really want to wish you all the mazal bracha of And you'll see it works. And you'll come out confident. And you'll feel good about who you are. Remind yourself. Do I want to keep stringing this along, or do we both want to get onto? But yeah, you know, he's a nice guy. He's just not for me. Do I want to be able to push to get to the person that I want to to, and help him get to the person that he's looking for? It'll help a ton with your ability to say what you need to say.
1: Okay, I want to ask this question. It's an interesting question. A few different people, <laughs> a few different people asked in different versions, but basically they had a trauma whether they went there or, or they went on a date and they got into a terrible car accident, something happened embarrassing, or one guy was dying for the omen and he, he middle uh, Chazar he ran out. One guy public speaking and his whole speech got flumbled. He had an experience that it wasn't just, uh, he got a little <laughs> nervous. He actually was very embarrassed and it's almost hard for him to ever put himself back in that spot. but well, just like everything else in life, sometimes you gotta, you gotta get over it. What advice can you give somebody who, who actually really went through something traumatic that's embarrassing or hard, whether they they just don't want to date anymore, they just don't want to ever go into shul anymore, they don't want to ever deal with this anymore because it was just
2: so hard. Be First thing you have to do is be murdered to your honesty, right? It's like you said, the guys are turning around saying, it's not that I don't want to move ahead through life. I want to be murdered to the fact that I got embarrassed here. And that was awful embarrassment, right? And separate the past and that episode that happened from where I want. what do I want to be able to do about it? I I got through such a horrible breakup, I never wanna go out again. Do you wanna stay single for the rest of your life? The answer is yes, you're gonna sit here for a while. But if you wanna go ahead, and you wanna push your way through, you're gonna go out again. And you're going to go ahead. You may wanna work it out with somebody, you may wanna talk to a therapist, you may wanna talk to a friend, you may wanna get some adracha from somebody. And those are all great things. But then you wanna set a plan and get up and do it again. And I would say to go ahead and find a level And set up a good system to start slowly testing yourself to build back up again. And don't be afraid of the other thoughts that are kind of come up in your head. Expect them to come. But take the time and let it work. It will. It happens. It goes. But talk it through. Be mudda to yourself. Step one. Be mudda. This is what I'm afraid of. It helps a ton to know what you're facing. All right. And then say, good. Now that I know what. The the fear is I'm stuck with that that I don't want to experience that embarrassment, but I do want to be able to get to the Yomit again. I do want to be able to marry somebody, and the only way to get married is to date We'll get there. He needs somebody's work.
0: hand to hold. He needs to hold somebody's hand. Should they call you? Always. I'm I'm I, between you
2: and me, Coach Menachem. anytime. I'm sure you have time. You'll go to you'll, you'll go to Shabbos.
0: You'll you'll hold it. And-
2: look. Look, you know, there are people who I, I have, I have gone. I went once to a place and I was, I was at a hostel in Lakewood and I needed to catch a Myra, So I, I went over to uh, Kol Shimshin, right? I went to catch my Colchimshin. I've always wanted to go for whatever reason I hadn't been there. I walk into a place in Shimshin, right? And the downstairs right side to catch a Myra minion, right? I'm standing quietly in the back. I'm trying hard not to be seen because, not because I was afraid, but who knows? You know, I, I've seen a lot of people in Lakewood, right? So I go in, three guys start arguing that they wanted to have the bid Bidavka. I looked up, all three of them were guys I had worked with before. They wanted to show me that they can still do it even if I'm in the room, right? So it actually works in the opposite. And I was so proud. I was like, mamish, it was a great feeling. three. to see None of them knew why the other one wanted to have the Amit but I knew all three of them had seen me. They wanted me to know that they're not scared. And so, yeah, but I, I told people, I say, you know, yes, I would come if that's, if that's what they needed. Yes. And so would other people. Okay. Beautiful. Let's go to closing
1: and let's wrap this up. I <laughs> thought tonight was a very, very great statistic. Thank you, Rabbi, Dr. Jonathan Berman for co- Berman. I just he no, did I, it.
2: You exactly, you that's still,
1: you're still alive yeah okay for coming yeah. on tonight I give us yeah. tremendous <laughs> music and being Ilim, I think this is a big topic I think I personally think this is relevant to a lot of people I think definitely people have a hard time with it and I think um and I think it's great we could talk about it and I think we need a lot more shayim on it a lot of people text me Rabbi Schwartz
2: is there a way to get a hold of you do you have a website do you have an email do you have a phone number how does somebody want to get a hold of you what do they do so the best way to get me is via email it's a it's a little bit tricky but it's schwartz s-c-h-w-a-r-t-z s-c-h-w-a-r-t-z dot c-c-b-p chaim chaim beryl pinchas schwartz dot c-c-b-p at gmail.com okay so if anybody has any questions or has any i
1: guess type of anxiety ocd issues definitely reach out to to rabbi schwartz over here in hillside new jersey he's a mumcha this is his sugya and it's a great thing. I think there's a lot more to talk about. I think we covered the, the global concepts, but I, I do think there's more to talk about in the city. And again, if anybody wants to join our WhatsApp chats, please uh, WhatsApp me at 848 525 0066. Save my number, your phone, and I will send you the flyers uh, every Sunday. You can post it and let people know about it. Again, it's a huge visit for everybody. If you want to get it via email, go to menachembermful.com and we'll send you the flyer every week. Again, for anybody who's here the first time, it's every Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. Via this Zoom ID, we talk about different topics and a different abonim, different therapists. It's Moerdic. The next no. week, January 9th, <clears throat> we're going to have an amazing event, Rabbi Go- uh, Al- Alon Gol, LMCW, the therapist in the five towns. We're discussing a very interesting topic, which I'm gonna, I'm excited for, it. Dr. Sarno's method on pain and burnout, a deep understanding of physical and internal pains we suffer from. My back, my neck, my elbows, oh, so you, know, you, know, you know, you know the people every two seconds, something else hurts them. It's all in the head. It's all in the head, right? So we're gonna find out if talking the head, or if they need if they need a doctor, one or the other. It's gonna be a p- powerful and deep, meaningful program. If you know anybody that could be helpful please send it to them. I think it's relevant to anybody, everybody, but please come on. Tonight's share is recorded. It's gonna be my on tomorrow on monachembernfeld.com's website. If anybody has any questions, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. Tonight's share is share number 85.
2: The gematria. what is 85 gematria, Rabbi Schwartz?
1: Okay. Oh.
2: Peh. it's mouth, it's peh, it's also po, so mm-hmm. it's here and now. Use your mouth here and now, Present. Exactly. very good. And uh, tonight's share, if everybody wants to join on the phone
1: tomorrow, it's 848 777 Grow. That's 777 Grow. To the Lakewood Scoop for promoting us, Rabbi Yennev Chazak. Special thank you to Chai Lekalf and from JCN Jewish Content Network. And um, let's go to closing again. I just want to say one more time, Rabbi Jonathan Schwartz, thank you so much for being available for us and coming on and tackling the subject and i hope much people listen to this and people whether they listen to it over and over again and they use the techniques and they use the kaihis to to get over it at the end of the day it's something you got to do you know we could talk about it from today till tomorrow you can come up with all the techniques it's just like you know when you have to jump in the water and it's cold until you jump in it's not going to help but you got to definitely jump in all these techniques are methods and things that will help but the myso once you once you you do it you do it and I want to say one thing, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but I'm going to really mention it. It's like a circle, right? The more we stay negative, and I, I've seen this with other friends of mine, and that's why I'm saying it, and I think it's a huge tachas. You could run from the davening for the this, and you could run from the mouth and I get it. But what happens is, just like Rabbi Schwartz said, you're going to run from the Aliyah, and you're going to run from the Kiddush, and soon you're going to run from saying Shem Aleichem, and soon you're going to live in a basement by yourself. It just doesn't stop. It's, it's a circle of negativity but if you slowly work on one thing at a time with, you know, with the proper help and guidance, whether you need therapy or not, you turn that circle positive, right? And person doesn't want to live, on. Well. person wants to go on a date, person wants to be successful. You got to get the chizik and the help and get, you know, get what yourself what you need. But ultimately, you want the end result. If you focus on the end result, I need to do this, I need to do that, I'll do it. But I still need that. I'm not going to give up the end result because of my fears. Then you just, you live a, a crippled, de- decapitated life and it's, it doesn't work for anybody. So... I just wanted to say that, and Shkoyach coming on, we're going to hear first the closing from Coach Menachem, and Rabbi Jonathan Schwartz, please wrap it up with Chizik. Coach Menachem.
0: Rabbi Schwartz, Shkoyach, and I think there's a big tell I just want to mention that what we discussed tonight, the way I see it, is number one is not to push away the anxiety. Don't try to get rid of the anxiety. You feel it, like you said, you put it in a box where you say, I do feel anxiety, and what can, what can I do about it now? Or what, what could I think about? Something else to think about it. Then avoidance. We think it's avoidance, but really it stays there and it plays a game. You, you don't realize where it plays the game, but it's not really avoidance. There is a book out there that's called um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways. So that's the concept. Feel the fear. Yes, yes, I, anxious and do it anyways. Like I mentioned in the beginning, because that feeling of doing it afterwards You're never gonna feel it if you don't do it. And sometimes you only feel that good feeling after three times. And if you stop after two, you're stopping short. Why why don't you continue? And then you start feeling, I can do it. After a few times, you'll see you can do it. A good idea, like you mentioned something similar, is if you have a good friend and you decide to make yourself a challenge a small thing and you're gonna do it. And he says, no, you can't. You know, I could you back and forth. You know what, I'll show you. And th- you have that, okay, I'm just gonna do it. And you actually go and you show your friend, you see, I did it. Sometimes it's easier to, to, to have a challenge with somebody else because if you make your own challenge, nobody knows about it. So you just, you know, you skip it. So thank you very much for being with us tonight. And with this, we should, we should be able to uh, start living a little bit out of our comfort zone to start feeling alive. Thank you very much. I, uh, want to
2: take the, I, I want to take the opportunity to thank both of you. I think this show is incredible. What you guys tackle and what you bring to the whole Eilam out here from, uh, is just absolutely gvaldick. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. And I, I started with Yermio. I'm going to close, but very short. Yermio turns around and tells the Jewish people, Al-Tiroh m'Pnei'em ki ani la mashem." don't have any fear in front of uh, in front of anybody that uh, I'm going to send you to speak in front of. Why? Anyone who comes to mess you up, or any anxieties that come in your face, to uh, says. says to you, you know, in explaining the Pesach, he says, Ki HaKadosh Baruch with us. You're going to be with us. You're going to go ahead. You're going to open your mouth. Remember you're focused on your mission. When we go, we're going to be successful. Keep it in mind. The is with you. We're going to go ahead. We can accomplish anything. Thank you guys very much. Thank you,
1: Rabbi Thank you. Dr. Jonathan Schwartz. It was a murder tonight. We'll see everybody next Sunday with Dr. Sarno here. We're going to fix all your back problems, and you're going to be good to go. Good night, everybody.
2: Good night. Shkoyach.
0: Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes, and it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.